You are listening to an Elftree Publishing Podcast. Our elves have been hard at work in search for meaningful and compelling content, so we hope you enjoy this show. And now, for our feature presentation. Enjoy. Featuring free-spirited conversation to help build a better future for generations to come. This is Elftree Publishing. America had the most deaths during 2020 in this pandemic than any other country. We were the only country treating people with remdesivir proven to cause acute kidney failure, multiple organ failure, septic shock and hypotension, all of which are lethal. This was the great setup so that they could murder people then convince you people were dying of COVID-19. Remdesivir was proven in 30% of all people to cause acute kidney failure. Do you know what happens when you shut down the kidneys in somebody? Your lungs fill with water. Do you know what they call that? Pulmonary edema. You are drowning these people to death with their own fluids. Run. Run. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Is to leave with us. From leaving behind the world of bioterrorism to off the grid and independent living. You're listening to Exit the Cult. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm your host, Joe Morales, and you're listening to Exit the Cult, a podcast dedicated to exposing the lies of the mainstream media to help others wake up to the truth. Let's exit the cult together. It's August 17th, 2021. Welcome to the show. Hope you're doing all right. It is a sort of gloomy day this morning in California. We always have this, what do they call that? The marine layer. We get a little bit of a hazy morning here and there, especially during this time of year starting to cool down a little bit. And uh, yeah, everything's been uh, everything's been pretty good. California is, you know, hemorrhaging on its last legs. It's, uh, as Rose McGowan would put it, um, California has gained green. It's wearing a nice suit. And uh, we are continuing to hobble along as Gavin Newsom stays in power, I should say. The DNC did it again. They have the whole thing rigged. I don't care what anyone says. It's rigged, baby cakes. It's rigged. The Manson Family Cult. The 1960s gave birth to many fringe groups and movements, including spiritual groups and underground culture that encompassed drug use, civil disobedience, and lack of sexual inhibitions. While many young people emerged from this period as healthy, successful adults, some of them were drawn deeper into countercultural lifestyles. One group of extremists were the Manson family. Charles Manson founded a group called The Family in San Francisco in 1967. They were just one of many communes that had sprung up across the country during the 1960s. Manson, a convicted felon, had served jail time before creating his group of followers. 
He used sex and drugs to seduce lonely, isolated young people to a circle of intimates. Except for a lack of anything resembling a theology, the family quickly became a cult. The Manson family is one of the rare cases of a non-religious cult in U.S. history. Cult leader Manson's erratic beliefs drew upon the ideas from Scientology, Satanism, and other esoteric teachings. Charles Manson prophesied that America would soon fall into a race war he named Helter Skelter after a Beatles song. He said the war would be won by the African Americans, but that they would soon turn to white people for leadership. It was Manson's intention to hide during the war, only emerging later to assume leadership over the victors. Impatient of his prophecy to be fulfilled, he should have just waited till 2021, Charles Manson ordered his followers to commit a series of murders framing African Americans for the crime. Over the course of two days, nine people were murdered, including coffee heiress Abigail Folger and actress Sharon Tate, the pregnant wife of Hollywood director Roman Polanski. So just as an aside, um, Polanski was convicted in 1977, was arrested and charged with drugging and raping a 13-year-old girl as a result of his plea bargain. He pled guilty to the lesser offense of unlawful sex with a minor, and I believe he is now living in France. So that isn't weird or anything. Okay, let's continue. The murderers brutally stabbed their victims and left cryptic messages written in blood. Rise, death to pigs, helter skelter. Some of Manson's followers remained faithful to him throughout his trial. Lynette Frum, known as Squeaky, was a young lonely woman when she met Manson in the 60s. He seduced her and declared himself to be the god of love and sex. A few years after Manson's trial, she pulled a handgun on President Gerald Ford and was quickly arrested. She spent many years in prison, her life wasted on a meaningless, vicious prophet. Well, there you go. Charles Manson. Charles Manson. He was the god of sex, you guys. I mean, what a claim. To tell your followers, I am the god of sex. Prove it, bitch. Ah, he was right. Ah. Just kidding. That's crazy. That's crazy. You are listening to Exit the Cult, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Enjoy. 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 Hey, enjoy. Hey, you. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, hey, you. Yeah, you. Enjoy. Yes, you. Enjoy. It's a whole lot of money in this motherfucker. From page six, Nicki Minaj said she was invited to the White House to discuss COVID-19 after claiming the vaccine can cause impotence. But an official has shot down her claim, saying the rapper was only offered a phone call with a doctor. Well, according to Minaj in her Instagram Live, it was with the Surgeon General. And the terrorist, Anthony Fauci, is who they wanted her to meet with. Quote, The White House has invited me, and I think it's a step in the right direction. Yes, I'm going. I'll be dressed in all pink like Legally Blonde so they know I mean business. End quote. The 38-year-old rapper superstar said in a tweet Wednesday. Quote, I'll ask questions on behalf of the people who have been made fun of for simply being human. End quote. However, the White House official denied her claim about being invited in person, saying the singer was simply offered a call. Quote, as we have with others, we offered a call with Nicki Minaj and one of our doctors to answer questions she has about the safety and effectiveness of the vaccine, end quote. Minaj doubled down and, 
doubled down. She doubled down. Minaj doubled down and insisted she was indeed invited to the White House, but that she suggested a live online session instead because she doesn't want to travel due to the pandemic. Quote, do y'all think that I would go on the internet and lie about being invited to the White House? End quote. The Starship singer made headlines this week when she skipped the Met Gala and tweeted her more than 22.6 million followers that it required attendees to be vaccinated. She says she wouldn't get the jab until, quote, I feel I've done enough research, end quote. Minaj later shared an unverified story about a cousin's friend in Trinidad and claimed the unidentified person, quote, became impotent and his testicles became swollen after receiving the shot. Dr. Anthony Fauci dismissed her claim as misinformation. Here's Fauci. There's no evidence that it happens, nor is there any mechanistic reason to imagine that would happen, the nation's top infectious disease expert said Tuesday. So here's Minaj talking about her White House invitation and kind of the media backlash from her own words on Instagram Live. And just as a trigger warning, there is a lot of F-bombs, but this is Minaj, and I think it's really, really important to pay attention to what she's saying, because she is a celebrity, but she is, she's being spooked, you guys. She's been spooked. This is the red pill Minaj has just taken. And honestly, uh, of all the things that we talk about on this show, we know that there are specific powers behind the curtain, and um, I think Minaj is finally seeing it come home to roost. Because um, the whole program is about the Great Reset. Take your jab. We're putting everybody on this digital ID system. And she doesn't even speak about any of that. She's just talking about the sheer fact that she's questioning. She's questioning the vaccine, the safety. She's hearing stories of adverse effects from people she cares about. And she's concerned about putting this product in her body. When she knows Big Pharma is not about your health. They're about profit. That's what they've always been about. But anyway, here's Nicki Minaj in her own words. We'd like to offer Nicki an invitation to come to the White House to speak with two people, the two names. Um, what is that man's name? Dr. Fauci and with the Surgeon General. And, and do you know what I said? I said, well... Um, I would rather not have to travel. Can we do some, something like a, um, a live? And they said that they're open to me choosing a platform to do a live. But they have never taken that off the table for me to come to the White House. Um, and so I said I would like to do... The other question is, they asked me would I like to do a private live, live or... I'm sorry, a private conversation or a public live. And I said... It would not feel genuine if it was something that I discussed with them only privately because then it would come off disingenuous to my fans because it would, it would sound like I was kind of like selling them the, you know, the vaccine and everyone agreed. So at around five, six o'clock, about three hours ago, they got back on the phone with my management and my publicist and said, you know, they weren't too happy about me letting people know that, that I was going there, et cetera, what's, what person, if, anyway, um, but do you guys think that I would make that up? So now they, so now 
this man tried to come on Twitter to try to make a fucking fool out of me? Sweetheart, are you out of your fucking mind? I'm not one of those people that y'all are going to be able to do this with, sweetheart. Okay? See, the minute you guys started doing going this hard is when this seemed strange to me. Like, and I'm not talking about the representative that, that uh, Joe and Sal spoke to today. I'm talking about just the Democratic Party in general and so many people jumping at the chance to, okay, well, hmm, we can't um, make fun of the actual story anymore and, and talk about testicles and balls till they drop dead and make, and make that a joke. So now we have to uh, attack her personally. I want you guys to see what is happening and they and they had to make sure it came from a black person first, because if it came from a white person, the black people would be like, oh, you're racist in this. So let's peep this. The first attack was from a black woman. Now, this thing to assassinate my character is from a Uncle Tamiana, black quote unquote black man. When 80% of the artists that y'all following right now feel like I feel about the vaccine and are too afraid to speak on it. And guess what they're doing right now? If they assassinate me and assassinate my character and make me look crazy or stupid, guess what? No one else will ever ask questions again. Don't you see what's happening? And y'all sitting around fucking laughing? You think I would fucking come out my wake up and say I'm gonna I'm make up a lie about being invited to the White House? What the fuck I look like? It's disgusting that a person can't speak about just questions or thoughts they're having about something that they're gonna have to put in their body. That this attack is this uh, hateful and purposeful. You see, they have to get people who can just get up there and be like, oh, yeah, child, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and make, and make uh, women of color look fucking dumb. They can't deal with smart women. Whenever a smart woman challenges anything, they get called a bitch or crazy. Pick one or both. So you, you guys ask yourself a question. When have you ever known me to say some shit like that? Somebody fucking invited me. Someone get the fuck out of here. And y'all sitting around, sitting up here, kiki keying and laughing and not, not realizing what's right in front of your fucking eyes. AKA, don't question me, you black bitch. Don't question what's going on, ho. Fuck, you can't see that. I'm gonna use this Uncle fucking Tamiana. And so many of y'all got so, well, y'all say all this shit on the internet wouldn't fucking make a fucking peep in real life to these artists that y'all, that y'all tweet and comment every fucking day. And this is in no uh, way being disrespectful to the people that reached out because I, I think that was a really nice gesture. And this has nothing to do with them. 
And I would imagine that they must be feeling some sort of pressure when they have all these people, you know, uh, attacking me and coming and coming at them. Like, why would you invite her there? And da, da, da. And then just imagine someone saying, oh, no, we offer Nicki Minaj the same phone call we offer everybody else. What? You think they would offer that to Mookie in the projects? No. Everybody else. And I see why a lot of celebrities keep themselves keep keep themselves bubbled up. You understand? We're living in a place without free health care. So anybody in this country has the right to question anything about their health. Because if your health mattered that fucking much, there would be free fucking health care, bozos. Yo, I put on my jewelry just to suck my nigga off. Fingers on his balls like I'm about to tell him cough. Wait, how do- <clears throat> so AOC went to the Met Gala this week. She was the talk of the town, you guys. She was the belle of the ball with her absolutely hideous dress. It was hideous. Let's not lie. I'm sure there's somebody out there that's like, that was a dose of balls. You know, that say some like fancy French person's name. So whoever made the dress, I apologize, but it was pretty hideous. But in a red, blood red lettering on the back, looked like Chick-fil-A bag of fries, said, tax the rich. Tax the rich. Do you know who she was around the whole night? Bunch of poor people. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the servants that had to wear their masks while all the uh, celebrities got to gallivant across the carpet without any masks on. Because the pandemic, you guys, the scariest pandemic in world history. But no, AOC shows up. It was a $30,000 plus ticket event. I'm actually curious. How did AOC get into the event? I'm sure there's articles out there. I just haven't looked it up because... Honestly, I, I can't stand AOC. She, if, if you're not sure who the hell I'm talking about right now, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the drama queen congresswoman from New York. She is uh, a psychopath. But anyway, yeah, the Met Gala was basically, if you want to know what it's like to live in 2021 Hunger Games, well, just watch that. The outfits are ridiculous. Even though I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, no, that was so amazing. It was a Giorgio Van Gazgaz. That was a, a Sylvestra Bamboski. Well, what are you talking about? Did you not see the cufflinks? Anyway, way to go. AOC, you are constantly impressing the world with your foolishness, I would say. Foolishness. I mean, if you would have seen these celebrities and their, their expressions on their face when she would walk by them, they just... It was like someone farted in the room. Everyone felt like they were around a fart. And um, tell me the story behind this look, behind your look paired together, what white means. I mean, have you seen the back? No, we have a may I? Oh my God, tax the rich. What a model, AOC. Did you hear that cackle? Listen to that again. What a model, AOC. I didn't know you model as well. Damn. So, I yeah, mean, tell me how this um, She came models together. a message, you know? <laughs> That's, right. That's what it is, right? And it's like, if you're going to come somewhere like the Met Gala and you're the congresswoman, we would expect nothing less. Absolutely. I mean, this has been... What, or, or When Aurora and I were first kind of partnered, uh, we really started having a conversation about what it means to be working-class women of color at the Met. And we said, you know, we can't just play along, but we need to break the fourth wall and challenge some of the institutions. And, and you know, while 
the Met is known for its, its spectacle, we should have a conversation about it. You guys are pulling it off perfectly. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, you're pulling it off perfectly. Yeah. Well, AOC's worth about 100K, is what they say. Well, after that ticket, she's now worth what? 70,000? Yikes. Building back better means giving support to the most vulnerable while maintaining our momentum on reaching the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and the SDGs. Canada is here to listen and to help. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. We owe it to future generations to build back better. We have a great opportunity to build back and build back better. To do things differently. To build back better and to build back bolder. And folks, it's not sufficient to build back. We have to build back better. That's what my plan is, to build back better. Welcome back to Exit the Cult. So this week, we had some very sad news about the passing of Norm MacDonald. I was on a hike, and um, friends started texting me links to this Deadline article about Norm's passing and uh, I just had this really sick to my stomach feeling because he's one of those comedians that I just grew up watching. I watched, I loved him on SNL, Dirty Work, just all his various cameos from, you know, different films that he was in throughout his heyday. And I also ended up watching his podcast because he would do a video podcast for a while. Um, I think it was just called The Norm MacDonald Show, but he had, you know, all these comedy greats on there and he was so just laid back. And would just have fun with people. Super raw. Didn't really give a shit. Just kind of was himself at all times. So like much of the rest of the world, the story was um, a shock. And I found this interview with Anthony Jeselnik and Howie Mandel. They were just shooting the shit when they came across the breaking news. And I felt like this would be interesting to share because it kind of just shows you the impact Norm had on other comedians. And just the all around sadness that people felt. You know, traditionally, we all kind of perform alike. Yeah. You know, even though, and you have a, a real different cadence mm-hmm. and structure. And because there is that comedy, people go to a comedy show and in my day, you used to talk about commercials and airlines and things like, but it was always that if you didn't listen to what they were saying, there's also that rhythm, which I don't like anymore on, you know, traditional sitcoms. People Mm -hmm. are talking like they don't talk in life. So when you hear something fresh and new, it really sticks out. But again, people don't identify it as great at the beginning, I guess, like your parents. Yeah. But the other comics did. Yeah. Other comics just knew it was different and that I didn't waste any time. You know, when you tell a story, there's, you can have five minutes without a laugh and people are still interested in the story. But when you're telling little one-liners, you're kidding me. No! We just found out that Norm MacDonald passed away. Oh, my God. I love Norm MacDonald. He's young. And there yeah. it goes. I don't know what to say. Me either. That was uh, breaking news. But you'll know now when you listen to this when, uh, when we recorded it. Oh, I'm just uh, heartbroken. Jesus. I love Norm. Norm is from my home country, Canada, and from my home club, Yuck Yucks. And I've worked with him many times. Do you know Norm? 
Yeah, we worked together on uh, Last Comic Standing. I took the job because I wanted to work with Norm MacDonald, and we fought every day. <laughs> you fought with him? We not not like uh, getting, to, but we we would joke back and forth with each other, and it just it took a little while for us to gel. You know that he would say something, and I would make fun of it, and he was like, "Why is the why is the host making fun of the judge?" They Keenan uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans right. Roseanne, we all like they were all like, "Why is he being mean to us?" And that was just the way I did things, right? But I was uh, thrilled to be able to work with Norm Macdonald and get to know him a little bit. Uh, huge, huge influence on me of just if you believe in the joke, the audience doesn't have to necessarily, right? Because you get it. Like his weekend update was Amazing. legendary to me, and just one of the greatest. Of all time, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't. These don't affect me that often, but this is, uh, this is a tough. This tough is one. a. T- this is a. What does it say? I didn't read it. What did he die from? Somebody in the control. What? What did he pass from? It was cancer. He has he, he been had sick? cancer. Nine years. Nine nine years. years He's had nine years of cancer. I had no idea. I know he had I, like like a heart surgery or something a while. Of ago. what cancer? Of what? He kept it a secret from his family and friends. From what did he have cancer of? We're looking at it right now. Oh my god! So not fuck. even his family knew. I wish I'd been nicer to him. Nine years ago. How many years ago did you do Last Comic Standing? <sighs> it feels like yesterday. It sucked so bad, but I want to say 2013, 2012, maybe. So yeah. Not, so he yeah, was. Uh, he already uh, had cancer. He was making his. He was making his comeback at that point. Yeah. Oh my wow. gosh. Norm had one of the funniest stories he ever told on The Tonight Show about his father. Do you know about the, his father and Bill Cosby? No. No, not his, uh, not, he told this on The Tonight Show. He told a story, it's one of my favorite stories because it's real, again. Bill Cosby was on SNL when, as a, a guest host when uh, Norm was there. And he tells a story about his dad got him into comedy. Norm uh, McDonald's dad would sit him down. Every time there was a comedian on The Tonight Show or wherever, he would sit him down and, and make him watch. And they would watch Cosby together. Cosby stand up and they would laugh. That was his father and him bonding moment and maybe the reason he got into comedy. So when Cosby was on the show, he went up and he said, Mr. Cosby, you know, I just want to tell you that uh, I think you're the reason I'm in comedy. You are my dad's favorite comedian, and he used to make me sit down in front of the TV and watch you, and that's what inspired me to go into comedy, but you're his favorite. And uh, Cosby says to him, where are you from? And he goes, I'm from Ottawa, Canada. And Cosby says, I'm playing Ottawa, I'm on tour, I'm gonna be playing Ottawa in two weeks, give me your dad's number, I'll call him, and I'll bring him to the show. And uh, Norm goes, that's amazing. Uh, He goes, what's his number? And he wrote down his number and then he walked away and he started sweating and one of his friends said to him, what's wrong, Norm? He goes, well, I told him that story and then once he said, I'm gonna call him, I was too uncomfortable to tell him my my father died five years ago. (laughs) So I I just wrote down a bullshit number and that's it. And they go, how could you do that, Norm? Two weeks goes by, Norm is sitting in his office. They get a call, they said, "Uh, Norm, Bill Cosby is on line two. This is two weeks later. And he picks up the phone and he goes, yeah. He goes, listen, I'm in Ottawa and your dad's not answering. They said that this number is disconnected that you gave me. What is his number? And I can't remember for the life of me the end of the story, but Norm was stuck on the phone and he didn't want to say, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you that he's dead. Like at what point do you kind of break this to Bill Cosby? It was one of the funniest, real, uncomfortable. And that kind of comedy is the kind of comedy that I when people are uncomfortable. And when Norm MacDonald told that, that real life story, 
it's really funny, but oh my God, his father's dead. He's yeah. in a, you know, it's How like- you get out of that? Yeah. Yeah, there was no way. Was and, there an ending? I can't remember the ending. And I wasn't prepared for this story. And I haven't, I, <laughs> I remember I hear it a lot. I'm just kind of bowled over by the loss of somebody younger than me too. I was at my, no, my, that made me think of a Norm MacDonald story he had told about having Rodney Dangerfield on SNL. He was just going to come and do a weekend update a little bit about not getting respect. And Norm had an assistant who just had one joke he told. It's an off-color joke. I'll tell it anyway. He said, a, uh, a, uh, a gay guy goes to his roommate. He says, hey, I'm going to hide. And if you can find me, I'll suck your dick. And he goes, well, what if I can't find you? And he goes, I'll be behind the couch. <laughs> and he told that to everyone. And he has the assistant. He's like, tell Rodney the joke. And he tells Rodney the joke. And Rodney doesn't laugh at all. And he goes, ah, I got to tell you, kid, I'm not much for jokes. And Norm thought that was the, like, the Rodney Dangerfield, like Mr. Joke. I know. We'd be like, I'm not much for jokes. I love that. that. Yeah, I love that. So here's a tribute to myself. No, that's just kind of how Norm talked. But um, I found this tribute on YouTube by Hats Off Entertainment. It's called A Tribute to Norm MacDonald. Here's the man, the myth, the legend himself. Well, this is great. When I graduated first grade, all my father did was tell me to get a job. Hey, you want to feed that donkey some beer? Get it all messed up? Maybe later. I'll go put some beer in a bucket. Okay. And now, making his network television debut, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Norm MacDonald. So I had this dream today. You ever have a dream, and then you wake up right in the middle of a great dream, and then you're back in your stinking life again? <laughs> so then you try to fall asleep, re-dream it? Man, that never works. Burt Reynolds. That's uh, not my name. <laughs> okay. Turd Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, what do you want? I got a question there. Uh, when do we get to light our torches? When it gets dark. Ah, I see. Oh, hey, I got another question there. Suppose, uh, hypothetically, you know, a guy had uh, already lit his torch. I mean, uh, uh, it'd be cool if he if he could just keep it lit, huh? <laughs> you fellas have a lot of growing up to do, I'll tell you that. Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. You believe these characters? O.J. Simpson's new fitness video was released this week, and hitting the shelves next week, Simpson's newest video, Dorf on Stocking. Uh -huh. The crowd is torn. M Mr. Reynolds, what are you doing? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, I found this backstage, uh, oversized hat. It's funny. No, it's not. Sure it is. It's funny. It's funny because it's uh, bigger than a <coughs> you know, normal hat. I, I see that. You know what hurts the most is the, the lack of respect. You know? That's what hurts the most. Except for the except for the other thing, that hurts the most. But the lack of respect hurts the second most. I think uh, Billy and his girlfriend are uh, playing water polo or God bless you. Watching your set was like watching Henry Fonda pick blueberries. Now wait a minute. What's that? Oh, he wants to say something. No, I just think it would be a why, I don't think there's a person in here that would not love to watch Henry Fonda pick blueberries. 
this week marked the 5,000th performance of the Broadway musical Cats. It also marked the 5,000th time a guy turned to his wife and said, what the hell is this? <laughs> way out of line, way out of line. I have a good mind to go to the warden about this. Yeah, well, things could be worse, you know. I, uh, I could have got my nose bit off by a Saigon whore. You bastard! This, this waiter comes to our table, Paul. He's one of the real oily guys. You know those kind of guys, real oily? He looks right at me, he gives me one of these, like, uh, hey, enjoying your shrimp? Hey, <laughs> enjoying <laughs> So, uh, he wanted to know if you enjoyed the shrimp, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Next on News 9, a shocking story of power and corruption involving a hotel tycoon. How his 27-year-old millionaire son cheated his way through elementary school. Stay tuned. What the hell? And now maybe it's somebody else. But if something is true, it is not sentimental. And I say in truth, I love you. Go. Ridiculous. Man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Norm MacDonald, I love you. Your death has gutted me just like Robin Williams and Chris Farley's did. You just don't grow up thinking you're going to live to see these comedians depart. You just think they're always going to be there. It isn't until you kind of look back on their careers and their comedy and what their movies or their, you know, appearances on SNL or whatever, you don't really think about how impactful that is and how huge it is. So if you have a favorite comedian who's alive today, take them all in, take it in, take it in, because one day they'll be gone. So we know that the virus travels when people move around the country. Don Bear, the Democratic congressman from Virginia, um, has a bill proposing that people traveling within the United States on airplanes and trains should either be vaccinated or provide proof of a negative COVID test. This is very common practice now in Europe. I've just been traveling all over Europe. You can't get on a plane without having some kind of proof that you're negative. It seems to me crazy that a year and a half into this, you can still, I can still get on a plane to Boston or California and nobody's going to check me. Do you think that needs to change? Well, that's under consideration, certainly. I mean, I, I have been asked that question and it actually got, got some play in the press when I made the answer. I think that if, in fact, it is seriously considered, it's on the table, we're not there yet. In fact, if you look at the six-point program that the president came out with a couple of days, what we were talking about with travel was doubling the fines of people who, in fact, are traveling and don't get tested. And I and I believe that the idea about requiring vaccination for travel is something that is on the table for discussion. It has not been decided yet. Oh, it's been decided. All right. I decided to play that clip as a commercial because it's so absurd. The woman is basically saying that it's so absurd. I can't believe that in a, in a, in a year and a half that people haven't gotten with the program. They haven't gotten with the program. It's so normal now to be, you know, um, having to show your papers. It's like this woman, it's deranged that in a year and a half, 
She's already acquiesced so much. She's just wanting everyone to do what she's acquiesced to. She wants everyone because she was so easily brainwashed into this program, The Great Reset. I'm going to keep calling it that because that's what it is. And, and, and when Fauci's like, we're not there yet. We're not there in those discussions. You don't think that they have already decided the rollout program for this in America? It's not the same in Australia. It's not the same in Canada. Those places are under queen rule. Those are, those are under the UK rule. America is a different place. So you don't think that they haven't already strategized? So he's saying, oh, no, no. He's trying to make a viewer go, oh, okay, okay, it's okay. I'm not going to have to, do, to pay these fines yet, yet. But they're discussing it. No, they've already discussed it. It's coming. And, and the woman's sitting here going, it's so normal now. It's just so normal. These people are psychotic. Man, I'm with Nicki Minaj. In other news from the New York Post, calls for General Milley to come clean over calls with Chinese counterpart. Senate Republicans are demanding that General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, explain two calls he made to his Chinese counterpart in the final weeks of the Trump administration that are detailed in a forthcoming tell-all book. Milley is scheduled to appear before the Senate Armed Services Committee September 28th to discuss the withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan. By the way, you guys, this, this terrible withdrawal, do you know what kind of military equipment they left? Here's just a quick little list. They left 22,174 Humvees, 634 M17s, which are like these tanks, 155 MXX Pros, 42,000 trucks and SUVs, 64,363 machine guns, 8,000 trucks, 162,000 radios, 16,000 night vision goggles or other night vision devices, 358,000 assault rifles, 126,000 pistols, 176 artillery pieces, 33 MI-17 helicopters, um, 33 uh, UH-60 Blackhawks. I I mean, this is four C-130 transportation planes, 28 Cessnas. I mean, unbelievable. Okay, let's continue with the article. GOP lawmakers want to hear from Milley following the revelations by Washington Post staffers Bob Woodward, who is of deep throat from the Watergate scandal, and Robert Costa in their soon-to-be-released tome, Peril. According to the book, Milley contacted General Lee Zhuzhang of the People's Liberation Army on October 30th to reassure him that the U.S. military, quote, are not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you, end quote. Milley then said, according to Woodward and Costa, or Costa, that if the President Donald Trump ordered such an attack, quote, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise, end quote. On January 8th, Woodward and Costa report, Milley reached out to Lee again in the wake of the deadly riot by Trump supporters at the U.S. Capitol two days earlier. The insurrection that was completely planned by the deep state. Absolutely. In that conversation, Milley told Lee that the U.S. government was, quote, 100% steady. Everything's fine, but democracy can be sloppy sometimes, end quote. Yeah, sloppy when you're a corrupt criminal. A spokesman for the Joint Staff confirmed Wednesday that the calls took place and claimed they were, quote, in keeping with Milley's duties and responsibilities conveying reassurance in order to maintain strategic stability, end quote. But that explanation has not satisfied prominent Republicans on Capitol Hill. Senator Marco Rubio from Florida, who called President Biden to, God, 
who called for President Biden to fire Milley after reports based on excerpts from Woodward and Costa's book circulated Tuesday, posted a video to Twitter to which he said that if the reporting was inaccurate, quote, General Milley should say that's a lie. It's a fabrication, end quote. Here's Marco Rubio. So in case you haven't been following, there's a book coming out. And in the book, the two reporters that wrote it claim that last year, both in October and again in January, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley, called his Chinese counterpart and told him that President Trump was not doing well, he wasn't stable, that we're not going to attack you, and that I promise you if I'm ever ordered to attack you, I'm going to call you and tell you first. Okay, that's what the story says. And what I was hoping we would have today is a denial that this is not true, that this is all made up. Instead, we just saw a statement from General Milley. And here's what the statement says. The statement says that any phone calls he's made are normal phone calls that he makes all the time. Well, let me ask you a question. If these are normal phone calls, like the kinds he makes every night, then why is this a story? If these are the normal phone calls he's making all the time, then why is this even relevant? Why are we talking about it? The reason why we're talking about it is because it's being presented as something that was unusual. It's being presented by the reporters as something that is something we've never had to see before in American history, okay? And here's the second problem I have. Who's the source of all this? I don't think these reporters made it up. If they made it up, then General Milley should say this is a lie, it's a fabrication. I think General Milley, it's clear now, was the source. I think he talked to them. I think he portrayed it that way. I think he told them this wasn't normal. I had to do this for the good of our country because he wanted to make himself look good. He wanted to make himself look good. That's why he would do it. Now, what's so serious about this? This is not a political issue. This is a constitutional issue. You know what protects us from ever having a military coup in this country? Civilian control of the military. The commander-in-chief is the president, a civilian. And here we have an instance of the highest-ranking uniformed officer in the United States undermining the commander-in-chief by colluding and coordinating with a potential adversary. So this is a constitutional violation. It's a violation of his oath to the Constitution, but it also is treacherous. It puts in danger our national security. I imagine the Chinese left that phone call and said to themselves, there's instability in America. Imagine if they would have decided now is the time to invade Taiwan because there's political instability in the chain of command. This is treacherous. It was dangerous. It's unconstitutional. And General Miller needs to answer questions about it because is this true? He should be fired. He should be fired and he should have to face military justice for what he's done. The article continues, Rubio's fellow Floridian GOP Senator Rick Scott tweeted on Wednesday that, quote, I don't take this reporting as gospel. No one should. But we need answers from General Milley. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff actively undermining the president is unimaginable, Scott added. General Milley needs to immediately address these accusations and testify to Congress ASAP. Rhino Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, told Fox News primetime Wednesday night that he was, quote, tired of talking about what the book says Millie said. Quote, I want to see the October 30 phone call transcript, and I want to hear from Millie, and I will say this as having been a military lawyer for 33 years. 33! 33! The big Illuminati number, Graham told host Lawrence Jones. Quote, if the book is accurate and the conversation did occur, as described in the book, General Millie undercut civilian control of the military and he should go. End quote. It's uh, technically called treason, I think. I think that's what they call it, treason? You're talking to the enemy? You have a back channel where you're... And again, when I say the enemy, the Chinese people, China, like the people of China, they are not the enemy. We're talking about the CCP. We're talking about military government, a communist government that is genociding its own people. They have the most aggressive form of surveillance. And, well, America might, actually. 
Um, the CCP has no business knowing what America's going to do. And they were doing this under the guise that Trump was going to hit some nuclear button before he left office. You know, when they talk about him inciting an insurrection, there was nowhere, and I read the entire transcript of his speech that day, he, nowhere did he say for people to go and storm the Capitol. He said to peacefully go to the Capitol and make your voices heard, which the vast majority of people that were there did peacefully. Think about all the Democrats all last year who were calling for violence during the BLM riots, calling for aggression towards people who don't believe in their ideologies. Like they were, it, it's, this is just insane. I can't even get behind any of this. This is so wild. It's like if you were in a class and your teacher was like, okay, guys, we're going to do a little fire drill. You guys go very calmly in the hallways, be very uh, quiet and just stay in single file lines and let's go to the football field or whatever, whatever. And all of a sudden she's just like, okay, let's do it. And she opens the door, the little bell goes off, and all of a sudden everyone's screaming and running down the hall and, you know, terrorizing uh, other classes that are trying to, you know, go down the hallway in a single file line and very calm and collectedly. And they're like, why is Mrs. Clark's class so crazy? And then all of a sudden the principal's like, well, we heard from multiple students that, you know, you wanted them to run down the hallway and smash lockers and, and <sighs> the gaslighting is incredible. Graham added that, quote, if the content was that we've got a shaky president, I promise you we're not going to attack, but if he does something crazy, I'll give you a heads up. That's completely unacceptable. But I don't want to hear from me and you about what he said. I want General Milley to come forward tomorrow and clear this up for the sake of the country. Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana echoed Graham's calls for a transcript of the October conversation between Milley and Lee, telling Fox News' Laura Ingram that the Biden administration should release it in an unclassified setting with as minimal number of redactions as possible. Yeah, right. This is serious, Kennedy said. This is more than just insubordination. As a people, we've decided that we want to maintain a wall between our commander-in-chief, who must be a civilian, and the military, and there's a reason for that. Go look at Myanmar. Go look at Guinea right now. President Biden gave Milley his full support earlier Wednesday, telling reporters that he had great confidence in America's highest-ranking military officer. However, Kennedy suggested Wednesday night that confidence may not last. Well, the reason Biden has full confidence in him is because he's been in on everything they're doing. He is a part of the deep state. He is literally a puppet. He's a puppet. He helped Biden get into this fake office that he's literally sitting in right now while he's destroying the country. That's what's happening. And if you're someone who thinks the 2020 election was legit, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Let's continue. Quote, I know President Biden has said he will stand behind and stands behind General Milley. And maybe that's true for the short term, but I'm going to give you even odds that eventually the White House throws him under the bus because the White House desperately needs someone besides President Biden on which to blame the stunning incompetence in Afghanistan. End quote. Democrats on Capitol Hill have joined the White House in standing by Milley with Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois acknowledging to reporters Tuesday that many of Durbin's colleagues made it clear to Milley that we are counting on him to avoid the disaster, which could happen at any moment. The insurrection. The insurrection of the deep state on January 6th. It's actually being coined J6 now. It's got a nice little marketing name, just like 9-11. J6. Here's Millie kissing China's ass. Uh, China's not an enemy. Uh, and I think that's important for people to clearly understand. Uh, China is a rising power. Uh, China has been a rising power since uh, Deng Xiaoping in 79. 
and they've been clicking off at 10% growth for you know, almost 30 years, and they dropped down to about 7% last year or two, and they'll probably drop again you know, and come into the range of normalcy and 3 to 5% growth, but that's still significant economic growth. And there's been a really large historic change from a North Atlantic-based global economy to now it's proceeding to be a North Pacific-based global economy. So uh, with respect to China, um, what normally happens historically, it's not in all cases, but in most cases, where you have economic growth of that magnitude typically follows military power. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a, <clears throat> a significant increase in, in uh, Chinese military uh, capabilities over the last uh, 10 to 20 years. Uh, and uh, they are going to develop themselves and are developing themselves uh, into a great power. And then there's Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, criminal from California, who went to the UK this week ahead of the G7 speakers meeting, and she shit on her own, uh, her own citizens, calling Trump supporters cult members. Trump supporters are cult members now. No, 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 no. There's a call, it's called an ideology where someone like Trump, doesn't matter who you are, you protect people's constitutional rights. You actually work for the people. But no, we've got Pelosi, the elitist, continuing to drive the dagger into the heart of the American spirit. That spirit being people who don't like seeing their country siphoned out through taxpayer money going over to the CCP, billions of dollars being left in Afghanistan, all of our military equipment being left there, thousands of civilians, American citizens, People are sick of it. it. It has nothing to do with Trump. He was just the first person to stand up who was not a freaking puppet to this deep state oligarchy body of people who are destroying this country. That's all it is. And, and Pelosi will never understand that because she is the Hunger Games, you guys. So people like her don't exist in political leadership positions when people wake up. So they gaslight and they gaslight and they gaslight and they gaslight. They're literally trying to make an, an American patriot out to be a terrorist. And so they're trying to link all these things like J6, 9-11, the Taliban, to insurrectionists. And here's uh, criminal Pelosi taking a shit on her own people. I say to my Republican friends, and I do have some. <laughs> She's so funny. Take back your party. You're the grand old party of America. You've done wonderful things. For our country, you have now been hijacked by a cult uh, that is is just not good for our country. Take back your party. Do not let it be dominated by those who want to suppress the vote because they have no positive message to win. They want to suppress the vote, and that's how they would win. Uh, those who just disrespect the rights and the, the beautiful diversity of America, and it is even becoming more so. Oh, oh, it's becoming more beautifully diverse? Or have they created a, a, a country that is now racist again because everything is about skin color? I think that's what they've done. They completely disregard the fact that in the country, overwhelmingly in the country, people support gun violence, 80% something, support background checks for guns. Democrats, Republicans, independents, gun owners, hunters, but not the members of Congress. Same thing with climate, same thing with a women's right to choose. It's not as high as that, but it's high. So take back your party so it's more a reflection of Republicans in the country uh, than um, 
uh, allegiance to the former president. And one of the ways we can help improve that situation is by passing H.R. 1, which would have redistricting in a way that is, again, agnostic, just... Hunger Games. ...along the lines of the Voting Rights Act. It may not benefit Democrats, but it may benefit the country because it would make Republican districts more open to people other than the ones that are in Congress now. Aww. Oh, she cares. She cares. Nancy Pelosi cares. Okay, so the final story we're going to get into is really interesting. This is on, it's basically a warning from a doctor who uh, was speaking at a very large event, and he was giving a warning about hospital protocols being used to murder people who have cold and flu patients. So, look, whatever your stance is on everything that's going on, There's some real shit going down and people need to start questioning everything, 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 everything. And uh, here's Dr. Brian Artis talking about hospital protocol, murdering COVID flu patients and the drug that is doing it. The German Corona Committee Foundation reached out to me and asked me to provide all of the documentation to them who are suing the World Health Organization with a thousand doctors. Ten thousand MDs, and they reached out to me privately to give them a one and a half hour documentation of Anthony Fauci's knowledge of how he was going to kill people before the pandemic started, how he's still doing it right now while you're seated here, and I'm going to give you some of that information here. And I want to put up a slide. I just have to thank Dr. Rainier Fulmick. Also, just real quickly, I got to get this out of the way. If you, if any of you have loved ones who are being treated in ICUs for any of the variants of COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2, you have to write this down, convey it to your loved ones, myfreedoctor.com. It is proven these doctors will help you get early treatment for COVID-19, get you the prescriptions that you need for free, go there. Early treatment is the proven option, and these doctors are there standing for you. They will write you free prescriptions, telemedicine, offer them donations, do it. They will save your life. This, if you can see the screen, there's a QR code there. This has all, if you scan this QR code, put in your email, the documents I provided to Dr. Rainier Fulmick, my disease prevention cocktail to protect all of your loved ones from those who are jabbed and those who are not jabbed, but exposed to those who have the shots. Those documents will be sent to you automatically through that code. I've got 10 minutes. You guys want some information? All right, so what did Anthony Fauci know? All right, let's throw up the first slide. Next slide, please. It was up there. February 2020, China was seeking a patent on remdesivir from Gilead Sciences, who manufactures remdesivir, the drug. This is in February 2020. I want you to go to the next slide. This is just the article. Look here. A study published in the New England Journal of Medicine last week reported a coronavirus patient in the United States. How many? A coronavirus patient in the United States was found to show an improvement after taking remdesivir, which is also used to treat infectious diseases such as Ebola. This is February 2020. This is the lie. All right, next one. Let's look at the Ebola study. This is what I did in May 2020. 
I've been in the media ever since to educate you guys the current genocidal attempt and murderous attempts of Anthony Fauci, the NIH, the FDA, the CDC are all using remdesivir the same way that they used gas chambers to destroy people in Germany. This is how they're doing it and perpetuating those deaths using a drug in hospitals. This is the actual Ebola study that Anthony Fauci quoted in May 2020, proved, he said, we're going to use this non-FDA approved drug, it's been approved since, but it wasn't before the pandemic, we're going to use this non-FDA approved drug called remdesivir because it was shown to be safe and efficacious against the Ebola virus in 2018 and 2019. Has anybody actually looked at this study? Because I clicked the link on NIH.gov's website, all of you should do it. This is the study. Ebola virus inside of Africa. They took four regions, gave them all remdesivir and three other experimental drugs. Anthony Fauci said it was proven to be safe and effective against the Ebola virus. So now in this novel virus of the coronavirus, we're going to use it there also. We're going to mandate this one drug. You can't use any other ones like hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine back in May 2020. Go to the next slide, please. So what did the actual study find? They actually found, you can see here, you see mortality up there? Definition inside the study. They found that remdesivir in six months, the safety board pulled remdesivir from the study, a one-year study, because it killed more people than any of the other three drugs, including ZMAP, which was put in by the FDA and the NIH. So six months into the study, they pulled remdesivir, they pulled ZMAP, which was supplied by our government to Africa because it killed more people. How many people did it kill? Remdesivir killed 54% of all people in the study that got the drug. Do you know what they're treating all of your loved ones with and those you care about in this country now? Next slide, please. Look up here. I'm not lying. This is from the study. Look at the second, second column t- from the right, remdesivir. Look below there. 54%. You see that? Mortality rate. All right, next slide, please. He then quoted a second study in May 2020, Anthony Fauci did, that supported the use of remdesivir in the treatment of coronavirus. The Ebola study, by the way, was a lie. No one clicked the link to look at it. I did. This is the other study he mentioned. This was actually done by Gilead Sciences, who makes remdesivir. In early March 2020, they took 53 patients from Japan, Canada, and America who had COVID-19, and they put them on the drug for 10 days. What's the drug? Remdesivir. This is the maker of remdesivir's own trial study. Next slide, please. What did they find? Check this out. 23% in 10 days had serious adverse events. The most common serious adverse events were multiple organ dysfunction syndrome, which is defined as the number one cause of death in all ICUs, by the way. Second, septic shock, acute kidney failure, and hypotension. Look at the next part. 8% had to be discontinued because remdesivir treatment. It worsened or or prevented, sorry, pre-existing kidney failure and multiple organ failure. 8% had to be taken off by days five because they were dying as a result of the poison of remdesivir. That's what they found from this study. As a result of these studies, they decided to actually push this on the masses. All of you, this was going to be the drug choice. Why? Because it would actually make COVID-19 look more deadly than it really was. To everybody that's lying on the beach.
please remember, you are in breach of the public health order if you are not wearing your mask. Please put your mask on, otherwise times will apply. Also remember, social distancing is vital. We're not out of this mess yet, and if you are outside of the five kilometer LGA, again, you are in breach of the public health order. Thank you for complying, and thank you for helping us to keep the LGA safe. You're listening to Exit the Cult, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Now, enjoy the rest of the show, useless eaters. I'm Bill Gates. Welcome back to the show, you guys. I know this presentation by Dr. Artis is pretty intense, but I feel like it's very important because as time goes on, I do believe we are uncovering a genocide in real time. And much like the 1930s Germany after World War II, there were the Nuremberg trials. I do believe we are going to see something like that in our lifetimes unfold as more evidence continues to compile and compact and um, just stack on top of itself. So this next section, uh, Dr. Artis discusses remdesivir, how it was hoarded by the U.S. and how it was given to patients through hospitals, causing a massive amount of uh, people to drown from the inside out. This is pretty wild. One other disgusting thing, Anthony Fauci and our federal health agencies bought up all of the reserves and stock of this experimental drug in 2020. We didn't even let another country have it till the end of October 2020. Do you want to know why America had the most deaths during 2020 in this pandemic than any other country? We were the only country treating people with remdesivir proven to cause acute kidney failure, multiple organ failure, septic shock and hypotension, all of which are lethal. This was the great setup. So they set this up so that they can murder people, then convince you people were dying of COVID-19. They didn't die of COVID-19. They actually died from remdesivir poisoning, causing acute kidney failure. If you just listen to the media, the New York press conferences of all the doctors when Ebola, or sorry, when Corona was going throughout New York early on, they were reporting, we've never seen a virus ever attack the kidneys like this one is. You start treating this virus and it attacks the kidneys and shut it down. Not only are we finding that we have limited supply of ventilators, we don't have enough dialysis machines for their kidneys. These doctors had no idea it was never the virus to begin with. Remdesivir was proven in 30% of all people to cause acute kidney failure. Do you know what happens when you shut down the kidneys in somebody? Your kidneys release water from the body. Guess what happens when you shut them down? Your body retains water. Your abdomen fills with water. Your heart fills with water. Your lungs fill with water. Do you know what they call that? Pulmonary edema. You are drowning these people to death with their own fluids, and they can't breathe. They were calling it secondary pneumonia. You have to listen to me. Still today, they are calling it pneumonia from corona. No, it isn't. They are shutting down everybody's kidneys with remdesivir, causing their lungs to fill with fluid, and they are drowning them to death. Do you want to know why this made me so angry? In May 2020, February 2020, I watched a hospital in Dallas, Texas, kill my father-in-law with the same protocols. 
they are still doing it today, and they are, they are, I'm telling you right now, anybody who's got a loved one in ICUs, please listen to me. Anybody who's got COVID-19, you're going to be threatened with death if you go into a hospital. They have set this up where they're going to use remdesivir. 31% of people treated with, for COVID-19 will have acute kidney failure. Their lungs will fill with fluid. Right now, they're adding dexamethasone, which has 4% reported kidney failure for all those who get it. So now you're up to 35%. If anyone listening to this has a loved one in a hospital and they have added to that protocol a drug called vancomycin, which is an antibiotic, antibiotics don't treat viruses, by the way, if they put them on there, upwards of 10% of all of those individuals will experience even worsened acute kidney failure. It will stop their heart pressure on the heart, make them go into a coma and make them unconscious and they will die. And they will say it was because of COVID-19. This is not true. Yeah, they're doing it to all of them. All right. So this is the mass genocide that they're using, remdesivir. There's a reason why more people died in America than any other country in 2020. We were the only country using remdesivir and Anthony Fauci was the one that mandated it. Okay. Now what else was disgusting? Let's go to the next one. This was the next thing that made me super angry. In October 2020. All right, so now I have a problem with the NIH, with Anthony Fauci from May 2020 saying we're going to use a drug proven to be effective against Ebola. Was it proven to be effective against Ebola? No, it didn't even make it to the end of the trial. Why is this guy still alive? Number two, the number two. Number two is the FDA. Ready? This report, go back. You know, you look at the date. CBR plans, a division inside of the FDA. You'll see the FDA logo at the top. This is dated October 22nd, 2020. They were setting up how they were going to evaluate for injuries from vaccines being reported to the government. Once they started going out in December, this is in October, 25 slide presentation. Good luck finding this link now. I have it downloadable. I hope you got the QR code because I'll send you the whole document. Next one. This was slide 16. If you haven't seen any of my presentations, FDA safety surveillance of COVID-19 vaccines. Look at the list of what they knew was going to start being reported to the government as a result of injuries from the coming vaccines. Disgustingly enough, this list, when the same organization, the FDA, two months later in December created the fact sheets to go out with the vaccines to the entire American public. For each vaccine, they're supposed to list the health benefits and the risks associated with those vaccines. The FDA created these fact sheets. Do you know not one of these showed up on that list or on that fact sheet? I call this criminal. They knew it, but they didn't tell you. Just so you know, on this list, three on the side, on the right, two on the left are all related to blood clot disorders. They knew that two months before the shots came out. Look at the bottom right. I know I'm almost out of time. Bottom right, you have to be aware of this. This is what we know is coming from the shots. Don't even ignore on the right top. Isn't it odd that death isn't listed first? <laughs> Pregnancy and birth outcomes like miscarriages aren't a big deal or birth defects aren't a big deal. We'll list those on the second column. Bottom right. Multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. Does this say adults? Does this say teenagers? No, it says in children. 
The Mayo Clinic defines this condition or disease is a serious condition where multiple organs in a child will become severely inflamed and they can die from it, which includes inflammation of the brain, kidneys, spleen, gut, heart, eyes, all at once. Go to cdc.gov, type in MIS-C, which is that abbreviation. It's already been reported over 4,400 children have been reported with this and over 40 children in America have died already. And they wanna start pushing that on your children come September. I have a huge problem with these health agencies lying to you. Throw up the last slide and I'm done. If you didn't get it, go get it. Go to, if you want to, if you can't, QR code it, write it down. If you're listening at home, the D-R-A-R-D-I-S show.com. My job is to prevent them from being able to kill your loved ones. If you have a loved one in ICU, myfreedoctor.com has lawyers ready to actually contact the hospital and threaten them to put them on other treatments. Do not forget it. You do not have to do what they say. I'm Dr. Artis. Thank you. So there you have it, you guys. Just another another notch on the belt of the protocol fraud of COVID-19. Another doctor coming forward, speaking some truth, spitting out some facts, letting you know what is going on despite the mainstream media doing everything they can to gaslight and cover up everything. Special thanks to Hats Off Entertainment, Nicki Minaj, Dr. Brian Artis, and Elftree Publishing, and all of our listeners here at ETC. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please reach out to us at exitthecult at protonmail.com or visit exitthecult.com. Have a killer weekend. Don't be a killer. Tune in to new episodes on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.